magic lamp. Wonder what happens when I rub it. You have awakened me. I shall grant you three wishes. My first wish is for economic development. My second wish is to save hours of travel time. And my third wish is to create safer roads. You could have just wished for bus rapid transit and gotten all these things with one wish. Make all your transit wishes come true. Learn more about bus rapid transit at indigo.net slash bus dash rapid dash transit. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And I'll tell you what, we've had Brad on hold for quite a while. Let's go to the phone lines. And Brad, you've got a question about self-defense. I do, and I apologize. You covered a little bit of it while I was on hold. But um, you talked about the tire iron and the knife and the escalation where, you know, a weapon's a weapon. What if it's not a weapon? And this is a kind of a multi-part question, if you don't mind. Um, what if it's a bottle or a pair of knitting needles where they could absolutely do damage or kill you? And B, does it depend on the person? If you're a 90-year-old man or a, you know, a, a frail little girl, your reasonable fear of, of, for your life. And part three would be is the mere threat of, hey, you, know, you get in a car accident and the guy jumps out of the car and says, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, no. You know what? There's a whole series of really good questions, buddy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go through each of them because um, you, you you phrase those in a way that is directly germane to a lot of real circumstances and a lot of real cases. Um, and first of all, uh, in terms of the the weapon that's involved, and you said you know a knitting needle or or something else. I think when you talk to producer Carl, you mentioned like a, an axe handle or something like that that you don't necessarily think of as a weapon, but that can still do substantial harm. Well, here's how it works, okay? Outside the home, we're not talking about the castle doctrine now. You generally are justified, unless we're talking about the hijacking of an airplane, we'll set that aside. You're justified in using deadly force. That's the context of the discussion. You're you're justified in using deadly force really in two circumstances. To prevent serious bodily injury to you or a third person, or to prevent the commission of a forcible felony. Now, could somebody commit a forcible felony with some knitting needles? Sure. I mean, you poke one of those through my throat. Yeah, that absolutely. Um, or even attempt to do so. Uh, separately, the, the serious bodily injury part, I have to reasonably believe that I'm preventing serious bodily injury to me or a third person or preventing the commission of a forcible felony. So how do you define what's reasonable under the circumstances? Okay, the a lot of the cases from around the country, and you don't see a lot of this discussion in Indiana. But in in preparing to defend a self defense case, lawyers would be wise to think in these terms, and that is typically the the reasonableness of the decision to use force in self defense. Typically boils down to three elements that we call ability, intent, and opportunity. So what are we talking about there? If, I, if, if I'm going to say I reasonably fear serious bodily injury, and that's what justifies the use of force and self-defense, I'm going to w- want to be able to demonstrate through the evidence in my case that the person had the ability to cause serious bodily injury. Okay, What weapon they have, how big and strong they are, how young or old they are relative to me. And frankly, to go to your third question, you know, my my physical characteristics, how big or strong I am, how old I am, you know, it's going to be a different analysis for my 91-year-old mom, who's still a badass, by the way, 
but my 91-year-old mom versus me, where I'm getting kind of old, but I'm 6'4", 230. So definitely a fundamental difference in terms of their ability to do me harm. Opportunity. Are, Are they close enough to me to cause that harm, to where I have that reasonable belief that right now it's imminent that that unlawful force is going to be used against me. But even if with, with ability and opportunity, what have they, what have they done to, to show me they have the intent? Now, you mentioned a car accident where somebody gets out of their car and says, I'm going to kill you. The mere threat, that shows some intent. But what about ability and opportunity? In other words, are they close enough to me? Do they have a weapon? What do I see? And, and the courts talk about the 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 um, totality of the circumstances. Everything I can see, hear, know, understand, smell, you name it. The totality of the circumstances. What tells me this guy, he just threatened me, hey, I'm going to kill you. Which, by the way, it's probably the most common threat on a grade school playground, right? You push me down, I'm going to kill you. I mean, have the words ever come out of your mouth? I'm going to kill you when all it really meant is I'm upset and I'm going to retaliate in some way. So the threat alone is some intent, but where's the ability and the opportunity? Now, I'm going to kill you and they have a tire iron. Okay. Are they close enough? Are they getting close enough? And people talk about the 21-foot rule. We're going to save that whole discussion for another day because, by the way, it's not a rule. Yeah, but we don't want to go into that right now. How close they are to you. What What is the capacity they have to cause me harm? Imminently cause me harm. So all those things flow together. Those things flow together, and ultimately the question, the question for the prosecutor in deciding whether to file charges. If the prosecutor files charges, the question for a jury is, well, did I have that reasonable belief I was preventing serious bodily injury to me or a third person? or the commission of a forcible felony? When the answer is yes, then you're justified. So to answer the question and put it all together, for Brad, you know, somebody makes that threat, all right, was it reasonable to believe they really meant it? And secondly, do they have that ability and opportunity to deliver on that threat? Those issues are going to determine what's reasonable in my mind and whether I had that reasonable belief that I was preventing serious bodily injury or death to me or a third person. So, by the way, we, we've now we've now hit on the all four of the times in Indiana that you're justified in using force in self-defense, and specifically when you're justified in using deadly force in self-defense. When is that? Somebody stealing your car? No. That's why. And Victor Butler has got a problem. So when are you justified in using deadly force? Let's first talk about castle doctrine. That's when you're in your home curtilage. And I'll spend 30 seconds on curtilage because we could spend two hours on it. Curtilage is the area outside the four walls of your home or however many external walls you have to your home. Outside the walls of your home, generally that you've taken some measure to protect from observation by passersby. In other words, you've done something to protect your privacy in that area. And it helps if it's within an enclosure, like a fence with your home. And it's where normal domestic activities occur, like eating, drinking, sleeping, watching TV, having sex, whatever. The things that you do in your home, do you do those same kinds of things in this place called your curtilage? What would be a good example? Like a screened-in porch. Beyond that, 
I couldn't tell you what curtilage is in terms of you know the the my back deck. No, it's just open to the neighborhood behind me. That's probably not going to be curtilage. I don't have any privacy back there. I haven't you know it's not within a fence. I don't have a big security fence or anything like that. So anyway, curtilage is very amorphous, very un, uh, undefined term in Indiana. I would never rely on that to use deadly force, but I can protect my dwelling, my home, my curtilage, and my occupied motor vehicle against an illegal, uh, unlawful, in the terms of the statute, unlawful entry of or attack on that dwelling, curtilage, or occupied motor vehicle. So that's one. That's Castle Doctrine. I can use deadly force to prevent serious bodily injury to me or a third person. This is outside the home or inside the home where Castle Doctrine also applies. I can use deadly force to prevent the commission of a forcible felony. That's a a felony committed through the use or threat of force or in which there's an imminent danger of injury to a human being. Again, outside the home, deadly force to prevent the commission of a forcible felony against me or against a third person. I walk into a bank robbery. It's an obvious bank robbery. There are guns out. The guy's screaming, give me the money, give me the money. They've already shot a teller. I'm 100%, I'm 1,000% sure that's a bank robbery. Is that a forcible felony? Of course it is. Can I shoot the robber in Indiana legally? Yes, because I'm preventing the commission of a forcible felony. Now, as I always say in my classes, if you're not involved in a situation before you involve yourself, be a 1,000% sure that what you think you're seeing is what you're really seeing. Are you sure that's a bank robber, or is it another concealed carrier who just drew his gun because he saw a bank robbery? Is that a cop who just responded in plain clothes to the bank robbery? Are you really sure you that what you think you're seeing is what you're seeing? If the answer to that's yes, then you're justified to prevent the commission of a forcible felony, whether it's against you or against another person. And the fourth one is to prevent the hijacking of an airplane. Those are the four times, inside the home, outside the home, that you can use deadly force in Indiana. Does Do any of those circumstances apply to Ann Victor Butler shooting Dustin Phipps? No, not according to what's being reported. Because you can't use deadly force merely to protect your stuff, like your personal property, like your car. That's how the law unfolds in this area. We get back for the last segment. I'm going to go into, again, some really lousy reporting and how I think it uh, has portrayed a respected uh, Indiana attorney, Indianapolis area attorney, in a very bad light, some of which I participated in. And I'll go into some uh, detail on that when we come back to wrap up this week's show. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC.